All right, it's Titans Talk. It's Saturday afternoon, about 3 p.m. Central Time. Cuts are official for all 32 NFL teams, especially our favorite team. I'm your host of Titans Talk, Nathan Spies. I've got our analyst, Landon Peden, with us. Landon and I are getting ready to go down and uh, see Vanderbilt play the Georgia Bulldogs. But bigger things uh, at hand right now. A lot of news uh, for our Titans. We're going to let everybody know right off the bat, we know that over the next two days, uh, more moves are going to be made. And uh, our guy, J-Rob, he likes to mix it up, definitely, uh, and see who gets cut and react to that. But we want to give you a reaction right now because there's not going to be too many places uh, for you to hear analysis on who we kept, some surprises, and who we let go, some surprises there, and then a lot of uh, news from around the league. Landon, let's get started. Let's start with our 53-man roster. Big trade for us, Tawan Taylor. Where did he go, Landon, and what do we get for him? Well, the Cleveland Browns traded for him for a 2020 draft pick that hasn't been identified yet, but I would assume it has to be later round. I would project it would be a fifth or sixth just because. He's still a high upside player. He has great speed that we've seen. It's just his hands, his catching were never there. So he's not a player where you're just discarding him for scraps, but he's not a, he's not a high-level player where we're going to get something substantial. My biggest issue is we played them in, in eight days, and Taylor's been on this team a couple years. He knows the system. He knows the playbook, we think. So are the Browns going to get a little intel from this, or did J-Rob and Mike Vrabel predict, predict that this could happen? They made changes for this. It's one of those things you just wish you knew because that is a caveat. You're right, and... If you think that is a throwaway sort of topic, uh, the intel and the secrecy of these teams, especially certain teams, the Titans being one, uh, makes you wonder because we're going to play them, like you said, in eight days. Uh, He was, of course, a third-round pick three years ago. uh, Had some flashes, but some inconsistency. We we wish him the best, not in eight days. But uh, after that, I think the emergence, re-emergence of Tajay Sharp and the way he's picked things back up and played really well, I think it led to this. I think it was going to be one or the other, and I think Sharp just really showed his stripes this summer. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree because Sharp had a decent rookie year. He was thrust into the number two receiver. Then year two, he was hurt. He was on IR the whole season. Then last year, he was depth. He was okay for us. He had a good game versus the Chargers. And now we obviously brought in Adam Humphreys, A.J. Brown. We still have Corey Davis. So Sharp, dependable, consistent. Not a bunch of upside, but for a guy who can be your wide receiver four, that's pretty good. He makes the cut over Taewon Taylor because he's consistent. If you throw it to him and he's open, he'll make the catch, which was the one thing Taewon Taylor couldn't do on this team. Well, obviously they felt like they had guys that they wanted to keep after Taylor. Obviously, Sharp is a guy they feel comfortable with as their fourth receiver or, um, in A.J. Brown cases, uh, uh, maybe third until Brown is up and going. But they like that core four. And uh, Khalif Raymond made this team, and that's a big deal. And they felt like he was, at least right now, worth uh, a spot on this roster. And that made uh, Taylor available, I think. Uh, Your thoughts on Raymond, who had a super productive preseason. Uh, Your thoughts on him making this team and uh, how long we should see him on this team. To me, Raymond looks like, athletically, he's a bit worse of a Taewon Taylor, except he can catch. And so he just made Taylor expendable because he's got the speed, he's got the ability to open up shots deep. And he can make the catches, so Taylor is faster. I think he's a better athlete, but it's just Raymond produced more, like you said, he balled out all preseason. So it's just he, he earned the spot. 
Right, and he'll contribute on special teams. Sometimes you wonder if a guy like Raymond is in a placeholder for uh, what they think they might get. Uh, but as a sixth receiver, I don't know if somebody they're going to get um, off another team with a bigger name is would be an ideal sixth receiver. So because I think their top four is set, Darius Jennings uh, obviously has a big role in special teams, and uh, so there's our six receivers. Uh, really interesting there, Landon. Who is the most surprising cut for you? I think it was Corey Levin because last year, especially in the Jets game, we saw him actually get some playing time in his second year. Mm-hmm. In the Jets game, he got moved to center, Ben Jones to right guard. And that really kick-started a second-half comeback. And especially with the right guard spot being up in the air, Kevin Pamphili won the starting job, but it wasn't it wasn't an outstanding performance by him. It was more so that he was just the best guy in a room kind of, of players. And interior offensive line was an issue last year. It looks like it'll be an issue this year. And we did extend Ben Jones a few days ago just to cut the backup center, a guy who has versatility on the inside, a guy who can play multiple positions in a pinch. It does seem weird. Yeah, I think they had designs on Levin. I know all we heard last year was um, in his second year that his rookie season in 17 was a redshirt year, as they thought. He was a six-round pick in 17. Um, and I thought they um, they thought highly of him as a, as a center guard kind of combo. But I think it's where there were two other guys that they liked more, and, uh, and they went there. So it was really interesting to see him get cut. I don't know what his future is with another team. We'll see. Uh, who else surprised you? I would say Jeremy McNichols. Explo- he was an explosive running back. He got he got plenty of attention this preseason because Derrick Henry didn't really play. I think he was a darling of uh, of our fan base uh, in a lot of ways in the preseason, don't you? Oh, yeah, he was exciting. He got to play a good bit because Deion Lewis became the first team running back, so he went and played a ton. So McNichols got to play a lot. He had a good he had a nice touchdown versus the Patriots, but in the end, it was just a numbers game and. He got pushed out. I think there's a couple teams where he can catch on as a running back three. He's been around in the NFL since 2015, I believe. So um, maybe there is a spot for him. We'll try to walk us through what uh, the front office's mindset was in picking Dalen Dawkins essentially over at McNichols. Well, I think with Dawkins, it is obviously he he had a he had a good game in preseason week four against the Bears, which isn't everything. But when it comes down to that, those final cuts, those back of the roster guys that stuff matters and Dawkins I think is a bit more consistent I would say I think he has a bit more value on special teams he can be played a bit more I think McNichols is certainly more explosive right. he's got a lot more upside but Dawkins just has the positional versatility to contribute in a lot of ways and that matters to this team right absolutely well said I think that is going to be interesting to see kind of how that shakes out and uh, how long we keep uh, four running backs of course um, we're going to lead with Derrick Henry, and he looks to be healthy and, and ready to go. Logan Woodside, there were uh, a lot of folks uh, in our fan base that thought we might carry three quarterbacks. Um, we just don't really do that a lot, and um, we're not here. So I'd love to see Logan Woodside back on our practice squad. Has he done enough in the preseason to, to get a look as a, as a third man on somebody's roster? I think he should just because, I mean, he's played well. He's played pretty good in the preseason, obviously. That doesn't necessarily mean anything as far as how good you actually are in real game time. But he played a lot in the preseason. He played well. He showed the arm. He showed his potential. And I don't see why he, he shouldn't stick around. He's still young. He's got upside. I believe he's a second-year player, so there's still a lot of potential for him to grow. So I see no reason why some of these teams, even a tanking team, doesn't just pick him up for the high upside. 
So David Kisenberry, uh, the offensive lineman, essentially got Corey Levin's spot. I don't think that Corey Levin fell out of favor or anything. I think he got outplayed. And a lot of times when you hear all oh, that fourth preseason game matters uh, for these roster spots, I think for some teams that's lip service. I think for the Tennessee Titans, I don't think it is. Not that uh, McNichols or Levin just laid an egg uh, the other night, but uh Kisenberry, who uh, we know has overcome you know, cancer, and it's a great story there, and Dawkins, they just made the most of their opportunities, and you've got to point kind of to their work on the field, right? Uh, your thoughts on Kisenberry? Of course, Jamil Douglas makes this team as well, um, but they were really high on him and running him with the first team, and I think they really like his upside. Um, so I wasn't as surprised to see Douglas, but your thoughts on Kisenberry and Douglas making this team? Douglas, I wasn't really surprised because throughout training camp, while the team was still trying to figure out the right guard spot, it would be Pamphili and Douglas mainly. Sometimes Roger Saffold, but mainly those two. So Douglas, not surprising. Then Questenberry, like you said, that fourth preseason game to me was essentially a tryout for who would be the last backup lineman, especially on the interior, and Questenberry was just better. It's not, I mean, I don't think Corey Levin's bad. I mean, a team we're going to talk about later, the Houston Texans, their offensive line is so bad. If they picked him up, I wouldn't. That's not a bad move for them. Yeah, I mean, we might see him play for them uh, in ten days. It's it's to that point, and uh, there are four or five teams in the NFL that I could see him maybe not being a starter, but be, being on the field in that first game. And uh, we have been that team. We were that team at points last year. So uh, hopefully they made the right decisions here. I I see where they're coming from, and I can appreciate them. You know, some teams are afraid to um, let a guy who's not a draft pick or has injury history or is in a, an ideal frame. They're they're just afraid, although they'd want to, to keep these guys. We've seen uh, our team, our front office be really shrewd, and I think we've seen that on, on a more subtle level. Level. It's interesting that throughout training camp in the preseason, we have these darlings of the media and all these guys that are, uh, oh, they're great, they've come a long way, and then they just get cut anyway. So it's hard to know who is um, really going to make an impact and going to make this team. I bring all that up to say Isaiah Mack is a guy a um, defensive lineman that we've heard a lot about this summer and fall, like a uh, comparisons to uh, Jarrell Casey just in frame. Undrafted free agent, really got after it, Landon. He's on this 53 roster. I expect to not see him shuffle out. I expect to see him throughout the season. Your thoughts on that and Mac? I really like Mac making this team, like you said, undrafted. Played pretty well in the offseason. I think it also speaks to our defensive line depth where I think our – the depth is pretty solid, but it's not spectacular where a guy motivated enough, who has the physical tools enough, can make the team just based on effort and hard work. It's not like the Eagles where we're just so talented that Mac just won't have a chance because it's too good. And, and I like Mac on this team. I mean, he's, he's worked for this spot. He's gonna, whenever he is on the field, he's going to be good. He's going to be a good team character. So good for him to make this team. All right, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, of course. Um... We we knew that we were going to wait to see him, although his movement and uh, things he's done in practice as far as on his own is, have made Titans fans hopeful. He will begin the season on the NFL's reserve list. What that means is he's not eligible to practice and, of course, play for the first six weeks. Uh, Landon, when do you think we'll see him? Right after that, hopefully? Well, first of all, in, the, in this offseason, just from reports and what little film we had of him working on the side in solo drills, he looked... Like he was a lot more farther along in his recovery than I would have thought because he, he tore his ACL in February, so six, seven months. And he's and for a defensive tackle, he obviously he's big. There's a lot of weight. There's a lot of pressure on the knee. He looked a lot. He looked really good for a guy 
who relatively not too long ago tore his knee. I think around week eight or so, game eight, is when we'll see him because after week six, he'll get he'll get bumped up to the active roster. They'll give him a week or two to get in shape, make sure everything's good to go. And then he'll just gradually get played into his role in the team. Sunday, uh, the Titans and the other NFL teams will uh, begin to put their practice squads together. Uh, we'll see a lot of activity over the next uh, 48 hours, uh, 24 hours. That'll be a blast to see. What do you think? Are we going to keep a lot of these guys that have been on our team? Are we going to look um, outside of our original 90-man roster for these guys? I know two years ago we had like six guys from other teams' camps, and last year we had like, I think, eight guys uh, from our camp. Uh, you, you think a lot of these names that we're seeing uh, – do you, do you think we'll see them on our squad? I know a lot of it depends on what other teams do and who they take uh, from from our cut list. Like I know Levin would be eligible for the practice squad, I would think, and uh, some of the guys. But it all depends. Uh, how do you think it checks out as far as not names, but like where we compile from, where we compile that uh, that squad? I would expect a majority to be returning players because to me, a lot of these cuts, these guys aren't bad. It's just they were at positions on this roster where there's depth. Receiver, running back, linebacker, offensive line to an extent. So these guys, it's not like they don't have the talent. It's just there's not the room for them on this team. So Cody Hollister, for example, mm-hmm. he's got the physical tools. He's got the potential. It's just there's no room on this team for him right now for where he is at in his career. And so if he if he could make it back to the practice squad, that'd be really big for us. Well, we see every year, guys, uh, get cut and make the practice squad. And um, they start there, but they don't end there. And we we all know a lot of examples of guys from this team that wind up playing significant roles for us, and they start on the practice squad just because of the nature and the physicality of this game and because 53 players uh, on a football team is not a lot and 46 active players on Sunday is not a lot. So we'll see some rotation, and hopefully we'll be able to keep the guys we want. All right, big news today. Atlanta and I have talked about this all morning. Uh, you guys have probably heard Jadavian Clowney traded to the Seahawks uh, earlier this morning for to the Seattle Seahawks. Tell us what they got in your reaction to that trade, Landon. So the Seahawks gave up their 2023 round pick. Linebacker is Barcavius Mingo, who he was a draft bust. Now I think he's just a guy. He's not terrible. But, and and then Jacob Martin, another just a guy linebacker who he, he's death. He's not terrible. He'll make the he'll make the 53-man roster, but it's just for a guy of Clowney's caliber, a Pro Bowl caliber edge rusher guy who when he's when he's on his game he's a fringe all pro just for a third round pick and two and two off-ball linebackers not even pass rushers really doesn't seem like much value and obviously Clowney wants to be paid Aaron Donald or Cleo Mack money even though he's definitely not at their caliber of play so that was a big thing I don't think Clowney would have stayed long term in Houston I don't even even know if he would have played I could see him holding out like Le'Veon Bell did but so that seemed such little value. And then for the Seahawks, this is a great trade because their defensive line looked pretty, it was looking pretty rough to start the year. Jerron Reed, their best defensive lineman, is suspended for the first six games. And Clowney, at the very least, is solid, dependable. He's got a really high floor. Let me tell you, as a Titans fan, Bill O'Brien, the GM, is an outstanding guy. Yeah, I don't understand that trade because I think the value of him, uh, of Clowney for 16 games is more than what they got. So, yeah, they know they're not going to uh, re-sign him. But the Seahawks can't re-sign him. Another team could re-sign him because we're after the deadline where 
um, where, where that can happen, right, for franchise players. So uh, just keep them, right? I'm not as big on Clowney as, as other people are. I think the guy's really good. I think he's a top 15 uh, defensive end, maybe top 10. He's not top five. The guy does not get enough after the quarterback enough. Uh, last two seasons, he, you know, he's been on the field and been healthy. Uh, before that, he wasn't. I would really love to have him, but I don't think he's a transcendent player that I would pay, you know, $18, $20 million a year. So that's what he's going to want. But for them to get so little value and to not even get, if they're just going to get depth, why not try to get offensive lineman depth? Why not um, uh, try to get a running back? And I know they're trying to do that from other places uh, now because those are the, their weaknesses. But this team thinks they can compete, especially Andrew Luck retiring. Uh, opens things up in this division. And so for them to not just take the value they can get in the next 16 games from Clowney for a third-round pick, I do not understand uh, one bit. It's going to be really interesting to see. Uh, they made another trade uh, right at um, um, at the end of cuts. Carlos Hyde goes from the Chiefs um, to, um, to the Texans for uh, – uh, Rankin, right, who was the, the offensive lineman from Mississippi State. Will he play center for them? He's a center or guard. I think I think he's more of just depth. I don't I don't see him starting. He was he graded out pretty he didn't he graded out pretty badly his first year. But that's also because the whole line is so bad. It's hard to tell if it's a systematic thing or just the line is so bad everyone looks bad. Just interesting to see them give up linemen, but you told me that you thought they were going to cut him, and then they wind up trading him, but it's just weird that um, that just seems like their absolute weakness to me. I know they needed another running back, but I don't know. Like you said, really interesting to see Bill O'Brien as the GM, and I never know. It seems like a great thing for the Titans as of now. Yeah, and speaking of Andrew Luck, you and I talked about on our previous show about the warning this Andrew Luck situation gives teams and GMs where just because you have this great quarterback doesn't mean you're set for the future. You still have to protect them. And right now, the Texans are not doing anything at all to protect Deshaun Watson. They draft no. two small school tackles with their first two picks. They trade a guy who started, a guy who isn't – he's not good, but he's still good. He's still better than whatever they have on their roster. For a running back who's slow, he's not in his prime anymore. He's very okay. And last, last year, Watson couldn't even fly by plane when they – played down in Jacksonville. He had to go by bus because he had internal bleeding. Hmm. Yeah. So in a few years, I wouldn't be surprised if we have a similar situation where Deshaun Watson is just so beat up because the line is so terrible and he's sacked 60-plus times every single year. It's going to be really interesting to see if that's a precursor or anything. But, yeah, the Texans, big head scratcher for sure uh, in, in a lot of ways. Let's move to the NFL as a whole. A lot of interesting stuff happens. Uh, on this last day of cuts, uh, let's talk about the most interesting and kind of breaking news here. Uh, the Jets cut uh, Lakai Polite, who we scouted uh, before the draft. He was a guy, a linebacker from Florida who has a lot of upside. Um, the thing about the Jets, you know, they have a history of sort of uh, being head scratchers themselves. Um, they fired their GM three weeks after the draft. So uh, you can see uh, the folks in charge now just didn't like the guy. He played 100 snaps in the preseason, didn't do a whole lot. Uh, your thoughts on them cutting bait with a third-round pick months after picking him? It's very surprising because this was the 68th overall pick, and it's not that he's hurt or it's it's something career-threatening. It's just he wasn't good. And coming into the draft, we knew that he his character was a risk, 
but his talent was first round caliber. And so initially when he was drafted at 68, I thought that was a good risk because if you get him under control, you get a pretty good pass rusher later on in the draft. And obviously they couldn't get him under control. His character, his attitude is a concern. His playing weight is a problem. And so this is the first surprising draft pick cut of the year because this isn't a second year play. This is a guy who spent three months maybe on his team and he's cut now. So the Redskins cut uh, Samadji P. Ryan and Josh Doxson, uh, their former first rounder uh, today. Um, Shady McCoy uh, yesterday was cut from the Bills. Um, surprising and not surprising, um, kind of in different ways. Um, Deshaun Kaiser is uh, is not going to be the Packers' backup. He was cut. Uh, several uh, several smaller uh, stories like this. Lane, what stands out to you as far as um, uh, what we haven't talked about yet from from yesterday and, and today's cuts? I I think. Doxson and Laquan Treadwell both being cut is an interesting storyline because they were both first-rounders. They were drafted very close to each other. And they, and they were part of that 2015 receiver class that just looks pretty terrible now because all these guys win the first round, then Michael Thomas win the second. And everyone in the first round has been hurt and hasn't been good. So it's just really interesting to see two first-round picks who haven't really done anything. I don't even think they combined for 1,000 career yards, both being cut just like that. We'll wrap up with this. Miles um, Jack is uh, signing a lucrative uh, extension with Jacksonville. He is going to be the third highest paid non-rushing linebacker, inside linebacker uh, in the NFL. Your thoughts on that deal? I mean, it's not bad. I, I think Miles Jack is pretty good, especially two years ago when they went to the AFC Championship game. He was an integral part of that defense especially since Telvin Smith has retired for at least a year away from football. They really need good linebackers. But it's just really interesting because he's a good player. You want to lock him up long-term. But they have two better players at more key positions because Nick Ngakwe still doesn't have a long-term deal. He's going to play out this season, so maybe they want to franchise him. But still, that's a Pro Bowl caliber pass rusher that you're just letting play out the last year of his contract. And then, of course, Jalen Ramsey, maybe the best cornerback in terms of talent. He wasn't the best this past season based on the entire defense's performance. And Ramsey has made it clear he wants to get paid. He's had all these theatrics. He's been a bit of a head case. And so it's just really interesting to see how they're going to fit those two in because if I had to rank them in order of importance, I would put Ramsey 1 and Gakwe 2, Jack 3, just because the, a top-tier cornerback and pass rusher are always going to be more valuable than, than an off-ball linebacker. Yeah, always for me. So $14 million a year for that guy. He's going to make it interesting, but they, they're pretty interesting with that cap and their front office stuff. We'll see how that affects the AFC South. That's it for us today. Uh, Landon and I are here without Big Fella. He uh, was traveling last week uh, with his family, and he's in Pennsylvania seeing family uh, this weekend. So we missed the Big Fella, but we'll have him back to you soon and give you more analysis. You're caught up. For now, until then, tighten up. Tighten up.